Hi guys, welcome to the Lightning in a Bottle podcast. My name is John Storm and I'm an artist and an educator and this podcast is all about the creative pursuit. Pursuing that creative lightning that resides within you and ways to share that creative magic with the world around you. If you would like to uh, keep up with myself and this podcast, you can find me on Instagram at John Storm Art, uh, as well as on my website, which is johnstormart.com. Okay, uh, today's episode is uh, is one that I'm excited to share with you guys. And um, just to preface it, yeah, I believe that we can learn from almost anything. Okay, um, I believe that there's lessons in life, there's lessons in the situations that happen to us, and there's lessons pretty much in anything that we experience and um, you know go through as we're living our lives. And what are these lessons teaching us? Well, for me, they're teaching me to let out my creative lightning, to unlock that bottle that uh, you know carries my creative energy and my creative magic inside and to share it with the world around you, to pop off that cap. And uh, today's lesson comes from a dog. Okay, and so this episode is all about a recent experience in our family. My wife and I, for a while, have been talking about getting uh, our family and our two little boys a dog, their first puppy dog. And, uh, you know, we knew that would be such a great experience for them. And so about a week or two ago, uh, we went to the local, uh, you know, humane society, the local um, dog pound, because we wanted to, you know, rescue a dog that was waiting for a family and we uh you know took home we didn't necessarily plan on it that day we really just went to look but we uh went home that afternoon with a brand new puppy and so today's episode is all about the experience of the past two weeks lessons that i have learned and how they can relate to our creativity okay so i've got a lot of uh, fun things to share with you guys some good stories and some good happenings and let's go Now, before we dive in, I just want to say that dogs are amazing. I have learned a ton about dogs the last you know, week or two since we have uh, taken Mixie home. Uh, our puppy dog's name is Mixie. She's about four months old. And you're going to be hearing a little bit more about Mixie later. Uh, but uh, I didn't think I was much of a dog person. Uh, compared to my wife, um, you know, she often talks about her memories of childhood along with her animals and her pets and her dogs. And sure, I had dogs growing up as well. We had uh, schnauzers. Our first schnauzer when I was really young was Max. I don't remember him that much. But then I also remember our next schnauzer when Max moved on. Uh, her name was Sabrina. And I remember uh, Sabrina quite a bit as like my... Uh, you know, childhood, growing up, uh, dog. And a funny story, one of my, you know, best memory, I don't know if it's my best, but one of my, you know, most vivid memories with Sabrina was one afternoon, I believe it was, you know, maybe summertime because it was during the day, it was afternoon, could have been a weekend, 
but uh, not far from our home, about maybe a half mile away, uphill, we had this uh, gas station convenience store. And oftentimes, my brothers and sisters, we would walk up there and we would get a snack and just walk back and just a way to kind of get out of the house. And, you know, this is the, the 80s. And so kids did that back then. But um, oftentimes it was my job to walk Sabrina. So I thought, kill two birds with one stone. I'm going to walk Sabrina up to this convenience store, uh, which was uh, named East end. Not that that really matters to the story, but that's basically the name of it. And so basically I would walk Sabrina up to East End and I'd pick up, you know, a Snicker bar or one of my favorite drinks to pick up there was a Sioux City Sarsaparilla. Uh, yeah, I grew up in um, Iowa in a city called Sioux City. And uh, one of the things Sioux City is famous for is their Sarsaparilla, which for those of you that don't know, it's basically like a root beer type beverage. Okay. So I got my Sioux City Sarsaparilla. I've got, you know, my Schnauzer Sabrina and um, on her leash and we are walking back from East End. And um, like dogs often do, Sabrina had to go poop. Okay. And um, I clearly was not prepared or planning on picking up any of uh, Sabrina's poop on the way. Nowadays, people are very... Um, I guess aware and they bring bags and you know to pick up dogs poops but i don't really recall that being a big part of my childhood or maybe i just was you know ignorant of the fact that you had to pick up your dog's poop anyways sabrina goes into and i'm walking around the leash and i'm walking down the sidewalk and sabrina goes into somebody's yard and she drops um, a big old poop in that yard okay and i'm holding on to my sioux city sarsaparilla waiting for her to do her business and all of a sudden the front door swings open to this house and this old man, uh, you know, comes charging out yelling at me that I need to pick up that poop. You know, clearly my dog is pooping in his yard and he is not happy about it. I was shocked. I was frozen and I had never experienced anything like this. And as any red-blooded nine-year-old Iowan young whippersnapper of myself would do, I took off running. I grabbed Sabrina. Maybe she was even mid, uh, you know, poop, but I tugged on Sabrina's leash and we took off running as fast as we could. And, um, the funny thing was, is that uh, I can still even remember that house. And several years later, I became the paper boy for our neighborhood. And that house always, you know, sort of um, was intimidating to me because I was just always, I mean, they probably had to know it was me. And, um, you know, I would even have to go collect the paper money. And I could never get that, that experience out of my mind of Sabrina taking up dump in their yard and me taking off running and not saying a word. And um, I was that, uh, you know, the dog pooper boy. And um, anyways, so that is one of my clearest and most vivid memories of life with a dog. And I mean, I enjoyed our dogs, but they weren't like a, a integral part of my childhood. Or as I said earlier, my wife, you know, she is very you know, animal 
sensitive and she just adores and loves animals and nature. And I do as well, but she just has a much uh, stronger sensitivity and enjoyment of the animal world. And, um, you know, so I have been completely surprised of how much I have enjoyed having a dog. And um, our puppy Mixie has been home about uh, two weeks now. And um, I have been caught off guard and surprised how much I've enjoyed it, how much I enjoy Mixie. And um, as I have, you know, learned to, or our family has learned to live with Mixie, I have started to notice several different lessons that puppies and dogs can teach us even about creativity. And so what I want to do today, guys, is I want to share uh, 10 different lessons that we can learn and glean from a puppy dog, okay? And I'm gonna kind of go each one of them and talk a little bit about them, and hopefully that in some of these lessons, there are keys to creativity, to helping you unlock that, um, you know, the cap and the top on your bottle that contains your lightning, and to even help you even more get that creative lightning out. And so let's go ahead and take a look at 10 lessons on creativity that we can learn from a puppy dog. Okay, guys, so as we look at these 10 lessons on creativity that we can learn from a puppy, uh, we're going to start on a large macro level, sort of like dogs, big picture. And then as the list goes on, we're going to narrow, narrow, narrow down to my current new puppy dog, which is Mixie. So, Number one, first off, research shows that dogs have descended from wolves, okay? It's pretty cool that a dog and a wolf are pretty similar in a lot of ways. Uh, wolves, as well as dogs, are extremely complex. They're also extremely intelligent, and that sounds similar to creative people to me. You know, creative people often tend to be pretty complex people in a lot of ways. They tend to be, I believe, really highly intelligent and sensitive to life, relationships, and the world around them. Uh, at the same time, wolves and dogs are extremely playful, and they are devoted to their group, to their pack, and to their tribe. Uh, you know, creative people as well are, um, I believe the foundation of creativity is really play. And all creative activity can equate into um, playing. I believe creative people are also very devoted and committed to their group, their tribe, and their pack of creative people. Okay, um, sort of a, an extension of this idea of the relationship between, um, you know, dogs and wolves that I thought was really cool is that um, wolves are known to communicate and to collaborate and even teach and share other wolves across generations. And it really makes sense when you think about it. Um, but we often don't think of, you know, animals as able to, to instruct and to teach and to communicate in a very, um, I mean, you know, complicated way. But older wolves, the more experienced wolves and the more experienced hunters, they often will be able to communicate and share strategies and, and techniques with younger wolves. And they have this ability in their wolf language and in their wolf ways to pass down knowledge from 
one generation of wolves to the younger generations of wolves as well. Dogs able to do the same thing. They can share knowledge. They can share, uh, you know, um, experience with other dogs as well in their unique little pack. And I really see this amazing correlation between creative people as well. How much of our creative knowledge and creative strategies have come from those that have gone before us? You know, we can think of so many, you know, quotes and, and so many experiences that, you know, other creatives that have gone before us have been able to pass down knowledge and their experience and their techniques and their strategies. And I know personally that I am indebted to so many different artists and creative thinkers that have gone before me. And I really look for those, those pieces of, of strategy and those pieces of knowledge that they experience and that they are able to hand down uh, to me. And so it's this amazing culture within wolves, amazing culture within dogs, and this amazing culture within creativity where they're able to pass on this uh, growing knowledge, experience, and creative strategies for whether it's survival for the wolves, whether it's, you know, life and learning for dogs, domesticated dogs, or whether it's, you know, creative pursuits for the artist and the artistic individual. Um, but I just think it's cool to, to think about this fact that, you know, um, these animals and these wolves and these dogs can pass along and teach these um, lessons to younger generations. All right, so the second lesson that we can learn, um, you know, from creative lessons from dogs and puppies is still going to be in the wolf department. And it pertains to this phrase that we sometimes hear about the lone wolf and this image and this expression of this, this individualistic and this um, rugged independence and this uncompromising, you know, um, individual that forges its own, you know, individual and independent path. And there are clear correlations into the creative and the artistic individual that really sees themselves as this lone wolf, as this lone creative force that discovers their potential and their genius and, um, you know, their their own personal drive down their, this path that they're forging to discover their own artistic giftedness. And although in the creative life, there are definitely times and definitely parts where it's a very independent and individualistic pursuit, you know, um, I believe this lone wolf mentality wants to, you know, discover this and they don't want to be, you know, tied down to the need for others and to be dependent upon. And in reality, um, wolves themselves would not want to live this way and you know actual wolves are considered pack animals that they they live and they survive in a group and within the pack and the pack is what helps them and they you know work together they collaborate and they survive basically 
together. And the lone wolf is one that um, is actually looking for a group to belong to. And I believe also in the creative life, although there are times and maybe much of our creative pursuit happens on an independent and individualistic basis, we need to belong to a a group that we need to uh, survive and to grow and to thrive by belonging to a pack or a tribe or a group, you know, forming uh, creative friendships or, you know, you know, friendships in general or, you know, relationships with our family, you know, we need these strong bonds to help us uh, as we, you know, live and survive and experience. And as we struggle, we don't struggle alone. And so um, like wolves, like dogs, we need others to be our best. And to be honest, you know, this is one that um, I can always be leaning into and growing into. Uh, personally, as more of an intro introvert type person, uh, you know, I don't naturally uh, seek out, uh, you know, a group and a, um, you know, always connecting uh, with others, although I know I need it. And although my, my pack and my group and my tribe may be a little bit smaller than others, I know that it's still crucial for my overall survival and health. And so I think there's such a correlation between not just being this lone wolf out there, although that sounds kind of cool and romantic in a way, the reality is, is that um, those lone wolves don't survive very long. And I think the tr same is true in the creative world. The lone artists by themselves, um, they have a really tough time weathering the struggles and the challenges of the creative life and life in general. And so they need others. Okay, uh, point number three, uh, as we start to transition out of the big picture wolf mode, I just want to say this, you know, wolves and dogs are born to be wild, okay? Um, as dogs are direct descendants from wolves, and think of wolves as these like, you know, these wild, unfettered dogs out in nature, there's just this aliveness and this wildness uh, to wolves, and um, some of that of course, is still residing within a domesticated dog. As a creative person, be able to tap into your creative wildness, that creative aliveness, and uh, like this podcast, that creative energy and lightning that resides within you. You know, wolves and dogs are born to be wild, and I believe there also should be this creative wildness uh, to the artistic person, this creative wildness that is is confident and bold and willing to wildly step into the unknown, to do things wildly that have never been done before. And it's that creative recklessness and that creative abandon that is the mark of a true creative soul. And so just as dogs and wolves kind of invoke this picture of wildness and this ruggedness and this intensity of aliveness, bring that and into your creative uh, you know, pursuits. Bring that wildness and that energy into what you do um, with your creative work, okay? And number four, lesson number four that we can you know, learn from dogs as we start to leave the, the department of wolves, um, 
all of this, of course, will be true for wolves, but we're going to start, you know, painting it in more of a dog way. Dogs are always ready to connect. They're always ready to interact and they're always ready to play. There's just this something about um, dogs that if you have been around a dog, most of them are just so ready to connect and interact with anyone. And um, especially our puppy, when she sees us, you know, coming or she sees that it's time to go for a walk or it's time to play or it's time to be fed, she just comes alive. Uh, you know, I think it's that that interaction um, between, you know, um, the dog itself and us as her, you know, caregivers. And she just loves connecting with us. She loves interacting with us. And as a creative person, you are designed and created to connect um, with your work, connect with others, to be able to communicate and express yourself and to interact with the world around you through your work. And play is uh, the mark of a true puppy and um, really a true dog. You know, dogs love to play and they're created to play. And as humans, I believe the same is true for us. We are created to play artistic pursuit try to view it as creative play and so always the big sort of banner above your creative activity consider it as connection consider it as play and interacting with the world around you just like dogs all right, so whereas lesson four is that dogs are always ready to interact and connect and play, an amazing byproduct, which this is item number five or lesson number five that we can learn from dogs, is that being around a dog has been verified and scientifically researched to show that it is a stress-reducing activity. Connecting with the dog, playing with the dog, petting a dog reduces stress tremendously, both for the dog itself and also for the owner. I believe that, and I, and I know that art is a stress-reducing activity. Um, engaging in a creative process, engaging in creative activity, whether it's drawing, whether it's making music, whether it's photography, when you get into that creative process, that creative activity, and hopefully that creative zone and the flow, there are amazing therapeutic and stress-reducing benefits. Um, art is able to help you explore your emotions, help you to develop self-awareness, help you to boost your self-esteem, cope with stress and challenges, and um, in so many different ways. And, um, and I'm really just scratching the surface. Several years ago, uh, my wife and I went through just a, a really challenging, um, you know, time in life. We'd been married for a few years and it wasn't anything uh, in our relationship, but it was just some of the, the struggles that we were kind of dealing with, uh, you know, outside of our relationship. And, um, you know, I know we both had to kind of, although we were united and working together through these challenges and facing them together, we all had to kind of process these challenges in our own way and how my wife, you know, you know, processes and deals with some of the stress and the challenges of life is different than the way I do. And I really found creative activity and drawing in particular and painting as a way to cope with and deal with these challenges and these stressors in my life. And so as 
dogs have this amazing ability to help us to reduce stress. And even having Mixie for two weeks, I have found, uh, and I was really caught off guard, how much I would enjoy just being around her. Uh, like I said, as a child, uh, you know, dogs were great, but they weren't a huge integral part of um, my, you know, boyhood. But now just having Mixie around, having a dog around, being able to pet a dog and take care of a dog and play with the dog, it has brought this just this amazing ability uh, to kind of help, you know, um, a lower stress a little bit, you know, even just the tactile feel and touch of a dog and petting a dog uh, just does this amazing thing to lower stress. And so dogs and art activity just have this amazing potential to help you deal with the stress and challenges of life. All right, so lesson six that we can learn from dogs is about their sense of smell. Now, I think this part about dogs is amazing. As we all know, dogs have this ability to track and to um, smell things, and their sense of smell overpowers ours by a gigantic proportion. You know, uh, dog experts and dog scientists believe that it's somewhere between 10,000 or 100 thousand times more sensitive and acute uh, than our sense of smell and our nose. And that is just, it's really difficult to kind of even wrap your mind around it, okay? Um, James Walker, who is a former director of the Sensory Research Institute at Florida State University, um, several of his colleagues have studied dogs and their sense of smell. And um, one way they sort of, uh, you know, paint the picture of, of what this is like is they relate the sense of smell and transfer it into the sense of sight. Okay. And so follow me here because it gets a little, um, you know, tricky. But, uh, you know, I think it's difficult to kind of imagine our sense of smell so profoundly increased where that's the reality for a dog. But if we transfer it into the sense of sight, here's what it sort of looks like or equals. Okay. So as a human being, we can see um, easily at up to a third of a mile. If our vision is you know, somewhat decent, we can see you know, things up to about a third of a mile away. Okay. Now, if you were to transfer that into sort of uh, the ability of a dog, when it comes to the sense of smell, think of it as a dog. If we can see as humans a third of a mile away, Dogs can see 3,000 miles away and still see just as clearly, okay? So you have to kind of take your thinking back to the sense of smell, and I know we're kind of, you know, bouncing back and forth between those, but that's amazing that, you know, if we can smell up to, say, you know, a third of a mile, dogs can smell up to 3,000 miles. And so there's just this amazing exponential um, change when it comes to dogs' sensitivity to smell, okay? And um, I'm no dog, you know, smelling expert, but I just think that their ability uh, to smell is, you know, one of their strongest primary senses. Yes, they can see well, but it's their sense of smell that sets them apart. As a creative person, you have unique and heightened senses as well, where some people are able to kind of look at something 
or hear something or even taste something or read something, you as a creative person have a much more sensitive, a much more powerful and a much more acute and in tune sense of seeing or sense of hearing or sense of tasting or you know ability to read something you're able to dive deeper and and richer into what you're experiencing than somebody who doesn't possess that same creative sensibility um, as well and in future podcast episodes i want to look at some of these different creative methods or avenues but um, for example i would say my creative sensibility is in the visual realm, which makes sense that I consider myself more of a visual artist. I love music, I love eating and tasting things, I love reading, but my most acute and my most powerful sense is my attention to visual detail. Oftentimes my wife's surprised what I can visually remember just from seeing it um, in what is what appears to be a very casual manner and it's a very natural manner for me but i can just pull so much more information out of what i visually see unfortunately though that means that some of my other senses aren't as acute um, for example i love listening to music and i love hearing music but i'm not always able to really kind of dive deeper into the complexities of what i'm hearing uh, as a kid you know in the 90s i listened to a lot of uh, grunge music nirvana and pearl jam and i would have oftentimes you know no idea what they're saying and it didn't help the fact that they were you know mumbling majority of it but i had a friend who was able to kind of you know listen to something one time and they could pick up all of the lyrics and i was just amazed at that even now i listen to music in such a way that i'm not always attuned to the actual specifics of the lyrics and i just like the overall kind of bigger picture of the sound that i'm listening to um, another way i look at it is you know in the sense of taste of course i can taste things but i wouldn't say my tense of my sense of taste is extremely acute. Several years ago, I worked at Starbucks and part of our training um, as we started working there was we would have to do these coffee tastings and we would you know, make a French press of a certain blend of coffee and we would pair it with some type of food <laughs> that was able to pull out some of the notes of the coffee. And I remember sitting around with these other baristas and these other you know supervisors and managers or whatever and uh you know we would take a drink and let it sit on the top of our tongue and then we would all go around and share some of the the specific notes and the flavors that we were pulling out of the coffee and um, i either thought people were just making a lot of the stuff up um, because honestly it just tasted like coffee to me yes different blends did have a you know a specific overall direction but some of these people were pulling out some of these crazy things uh that i was like i'm not sure where you're getting that from and um, i didn't really totally understand these unique sensitivities that you know and proclivities that people have to these different senses and even now when i read a bag of coffee and it says it tastes of of toffee and and dark cherry and and orange peel and all this stuff of course i can get some of that but i know i'm missing out on some of that but i still enjoy coffee a ton and so 
as dogs have this, you know, amazing, you know, sense of smell. And even, you know, proportionally speaking, their brain section given to smell is 40 times larger and greater than ours as human beings. And so you have a creative person, you have this you know, much larger area of sensitivity than maybe just the other random Joe. But I believe everybody, um, you know, whether they consider themselves a creative or not, has this heightened sensitivity. And it's like this gift that they've been given, but some people may just not be aware of it. Okay. So dogs can smell, they can see pretty well, but it's their smell and their sense of tracking that sets them apart as these amazing, you know, creatures sensitive to smell. You as a creative person, what is your unique sensitivity? And yes, you can do other things well, but I believe you have a unique sensitivity in a creative direction. And how are you using that in your life? All right. So lesson number seven that we can learn from dogs and puppies is that dogs are creatures of habit. We have had our puppy dog, Mixie, for only two weeks now. And there are different little habits that we have started to form that, uh, you know, basically just in taking care of her, whether it's feeding her at certain times a day. One thing I started doing this past week is um, about six uh 15 every morning I would get the leash and I would take Mixie for just a walk around the block as a puppy she has a lot of energy and one ways to kind of help her process that energy and get that energy out so it doesn't you know turn into other forms of energy that she shouldn't be doing like chewing on things or or doing something that she shouldn't be doing is to help her get that energy out so 615 I uh, put on a jacket I get the leash and I've been taking Mixie for a walk and I've really enjoyed that time with her and what I've noticed is, is after a couple of days she knew exactly uh, and it was almost like she was waiting for me it was like she knew that it was about that time and that we were about to go on a walk and um, it was really cool to see her adapt so quickly to these different habits uh, her feeding times uh, you know my wife and the boys have been taking her for a walk in the afternoon and it's like she's just this creature of habit as humans, we too are creatures of habit. We are, you know, we, our lives are formed by the habits that we put in place. And habits are super powerful tools because they can either make or break you. Habits can help you reach your goals if you uh, put smart habits in place and good habits in place. And in the creative life and in the artistic life, habits can help you make progress and they can be strategies to use to make, um, you know, uh, progress and growth on your creative journey. At the same time, though, habits can hinder you and harm you if they're not good habits and if they're you know tripping you up and getting your way we all have habits it just depends on what those habits are and so as dogs as humans we are creatures of habits and i want you to specifically look at some of your habits find the habits that are helping you and look for ways to continue to you know cash in on those habits you know look um, for ways to add more of those helping habits into your uh, creative life and your creative activity 
at the same time, look for habits that maybe aren't so good. Habits that are wasting some of your time, habits that are hindering you, even habits that are harming you, and they're keeping you from your creative potential. As a puppy, Mixie has uh, habits that work really well, like going on the walk, but she also has some habits that aren't so great. And so, um, you know, as her caregivers, as her owners, we're looking for ways to, you know, put in place better habits for her at the same time, help her kind of, you know, remove some of those habits that are hindering and not helping her um, be the best little puppy that she can be. All right, guys, so we are rocking and rolling through our, you know, list of 10 things that we can learn from dogs. And here we are, I believe, at number eight. And here it is. When we got Mixie, uh, you know, if we weren't completely prepared and ready to bring home a puppy. And so we quickly ran to a pet store and picked up like a little, you know, kennel box thing that she could sleep in at night. And of course, you know, some dog food and some dog treats. Um, But eventually, over the next week, you know, we created this little sort of dog pen and a dog run on the side of our house that we had that would just be perfect for a dog to run around in. And, um, you know, we put it together. We uh, got some fencing and we looked for ways that she might try to get out. And we basically created this secure little dog pen um, for her outside. Okay. And it wasn't within five minutes of putting this, you know, uh, dog pen up uh, that Mixie escaped. Okay, we thought it was sound. We thought it was secure. We thought we finally had put her in her little area, her little box and where she was meant to be. And she was gone. Okay, so um, we looked around for her and we fortunately found her. She hadn't completely gotten out, but on one side of her little dog pen is this wooden fence. And she found a way to somehow sneak through this what we thought was a pretty small hole that she would not be able to get through. But of course, you guys know how that works. She got through it and she was actually stuck uh, between two wooden fences. She obviously didn't know where she was going. And so she didn't realize that that was really no escape. And she thought she was just escaping the box that we put her in. And so we had to coax her and help her to kind of literally walk backwards, which is not an easy task for a puppy dog when it's lodged in between two wooden fences. And she was able to kind of squeeze back out through the escape hole that she went through. And we quickly patched up that little hole. Here's the thing, as creative people, there will be times where you are put into a box, okay? People will put you into a box. People love to pigeonhole and to categorize and to put people in their compartment because it oftentimes makes us feel safe. We make, it makes us feel like we understand things, that things are in our control when we put things into boxes. As a creative person, I encourage you, I challenge you, just like Mixie, looking for any way that she can get out, you too look for any way that you can surprise people and break outside of your box, okay? Dig a hole, slip through a crack, any way you can do it. Don't live your creative life in such a way that you feel like you have to be confined to a category. Surprise people, sneak out of your box, try something new. Always think of 
what boxes am I falling into and how can I change it up and break outside of this box? Dogs are amazing for digging and finding a way out of anything. And, um, you know, when people always think that you're going to zig, learn how to zag. You know, don't get stuck in your little pigeonhole and in your little box. And just as a dog is always, you know, that that wild creative energy within a puppy dog, always looking for a way to get out of their box, I challenge you and encourage you to do the same. Okay? So, break outside of your box. And lesson number nine that we can learn from puppy dogs is with Mixie, as her name, you know, sort of, um, sort of shows, she is some type of mix. Because we picked her up from the local dog pound, we and they didn't know exactly where she came from and what type of dog she is. Uh, a lot of people have seen, seen pictures of her. They wonder, well, is she part beagle? Maybe is she part Jack Russell Terrier? Um, or even maybe is she part boxer? And so in your creative endeavors, also, look for ways to, um, you know, kind of, of change it up, of mixing it up, just like Mixie's name. Look for a way to mix up uh, some of your creativity. Look for ways to combine some of your creativity. Look for ways to randomly connect different pieces of your creativity. Try um, putting together opposing ideas, but I encourage you just to mix it up and to change it up. You know, with Mixie's um, possible, uh, you know, heritage, maybe being part beagle, you know, what are beagles good at? Well, they're very friendly. They're very sociable. They love to be in groups. They love to work and to live and to hunt together. Beagles are part hound dogs. And so um, it's in within a, a beagle's nature to roam, to wander to explore. Uh, beagles are super curious. They're very inquisitive and they're very adaptable. They can thrive in so many different conditions. And man, all of those adjectives regarding to a beagle easily transfer into the creative life. You know, you are meant to be curious, to be inquisitive. And I really believe that the um, the stronger a person's curiosity, the stronger their artistic um, output and creativity will be. You know, wander, explore, roam into different territories that you have not gone into before. So there's so much that we can learn from this, you know, idea of a beagle. Also, you know, think about possibly her being part boxer, a uh, type dog of a boxer. You know, typically when we hear the word boxer, we think of some type of fighter. You know, we think of this um, aggressive person in the ring boxing and fighting uh, for victory and to win. I encourage you at the same time, just like being creatively wild, be creatively aggressive. In this podcast, in episode two, we talked about this, this force of a resistance working against you. Uh, you know, be aggressive against resistance. Be a fighter. Edgar Degas said that art is a battle. And you have got to be creatively aggressive to take ground and to move forward. And that creative activity is not going to do itself. You as the artist are are responsible for your creative activity. The painting isn't going to paint itself. 
the song, um, you know, isn't going to necessarily just make itself. Uh, you have got to do the work. So be aggressive, mix it all together, learn from all of these different, you know, sources and places. And those are just a few things we can learn from Mixie the Puppy Dog. All right, guys, here we are. We are at the final lesson. Uh, this is number 10 of what we can, you know, take away and learn from dogs and puppies. And um, it really comes back several years ago uh, when I was in college and I had this, um, uh, I was in a metal sculpture class and, you know, I was awful at metal sculpture. My professor was amazing and, um, you know, I, I just wasn't good at it. I wish I could take that class again. And, and since then, I look back on that class and man, I have so many different ideas of how I would approach the assignments. And um, But anyways, that's, that's for another time. But the professor uh, was phenomenal. And he taught me so much just about the artistic life. And he, was, he still is this amazing uh, sculptor, this amazing professor. But I remember I had this idea. And I was, you know, trying to make this metal sculpture and I won't, I'll spare you all the details, but basically it involved creating all of these hexagons and then, you know, these hexagon units and then putting all these hexagons together to kind of form the larger sculpture. And um, I was trying to make these hexagons just on my own and they were turning out, you guessed it, awful and terrible. And he talked to me about, you know, basically... You know, I was going to need to make a jig, which is kind of like a template that would then allow me to make the hexagons consistently. And the hexagons would look much better if I just had this this jig or this piece that would help me. And so uh, he basically did most of the work, but helped me make this jig, uh, you know, and um, at different times in the process, I was, you know, trying to come up with different ideas because it was it was difficult and challenging. And I, as a young artist, I was trying to get out of it as we normally do. And I will never forget, he said, you know, when you have a creative idea, you've got to be like a pit bull. You got to sink your teeth in something and don't let go. Okay. Um, even our puppy dog, Mixie, uh, you know, she, when she bites something, you know, she's a puppy. So she's teething. She's always trying to chew on something, whether it's her chew toys or whether it's our shoes or even our ankles, even my hand at different times. And that's just what puppies do is they chew and they bite into something and it helps relieve some of their teething pain. And that's just what dogs do. They, you know, interact with the world, not only through their nose, but also their mouth. It's what they've got. Okay. And so what I learned from that is just like a dog sinking their teeth into something, uh, you know, they don't let go. They fight for it. They hang on to it for dear life. And even Mixie as a puppy, I'm often so surprised by the strength uh, of, that she has. And even though she's so much smaller than I, I am, she has this amazing strength of grip. When she bites onto something, um, she's able to hang on and hold on. And it's very difficult to get her to let go with your creative pursuits, sink your teeth into something. And no matter the struggle, no matter the challenges, no matter the fight that lies ahead, don't let go. Uh, bring that creative activity and that creative pursuit all the way through the process uh, to completion. 
sink your teeth into it, your creative teeth, and hang on tight and don't let go because resistance is going to tug you, a tug of war, and pull against you and fight you and want to encourage you to let go. And that was um, a a simple lesson that I learned from my sculpture professor, but it's helped me so many times. And um, I've thought about it a lot as I have been taking care of Mixie and trying to get her to let go of my shoes or even my ankle, my socks, my shoelaces, but don't let go to your creative pursuit. Hang on tight. The road will get bumpy. There will be a struggle, but you can hang in there and bring it all the way to completion. Guys, I want to thank you so much for joining me today on Lightning in a Bottle. Uh, today, we looked at 10 different ways that we can learn from uh, the world of dogs. And like I said, you know, having a puppy dog for the last two weeks has been so much fun and amazing and very enlightening in different ways that I can apply some of these lessons to my creativity. Hopefully, out of these 10 different lessons, there is something uh, to encourage you and to help you keep moving forward in your creative pursuits. Once again, this is John Storm uh, with Lightning in a Bottle, and this podcast is all about tapping into your inner creativity and sharing that creativity with the world around you. Thanks so much for joining me today, and I can't wait to see you guys till next time.